Hey everybody. Welcome back. Welcome to our odd pod podcast. podcast. A podcast dedicated to the odd, the macabre, and everything in between. And everything in between. What's up? I'm Billy. And this is Felicia. That's all I got. Good night, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening to our shortest podcast ever. No, 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 no. We have a whole podcast plan today. Just kidding. We have a whole podcast. Uh, Billy might fall asleep in the middle of it today. He is running off of zero, maybe 20 minutes of sleep since yesterday. Yeah, like 20 minutes of sleep since around, what, 4 o'clock yesterday? (laughs) I'm so sorry. It's okay. It's... Now 11, 11, make a wish. Oh, okay, one, two, three. Okay. Okay. What'd you wish for? Can't tell you, it won't come true. Damn it. All right. What'd well, you wish for? I'm not telling you. See? Uh-huh. Anyway. Anyway, how's we're, it going? Good, I just got off work. Yeah, you did. What are we talking about today? Um, You tell me what we're talking about today. I didn't prepare anything. <laughs> See, I would believe you, except that we've been talking about... <laughs> It's The Exorcism of Amelia Earhart. Oh my god, no. <laughs> no, but I do want to talk about um, The Exorcist. Which um, one? The one that is... The, the, the weird phenomenons and like experiences surrounding The Exorcist movie. The movie. And the actual Exorcist that was based off of the movie. Okay, so... Or was inspired by the... The, that the movie was inspired by. Yeah. I got you. Okay. <laughs> All right. Did you know that The Exorcist was based on true events? I mean, no. You didn't? I am aware that there are exorcists that exist. So, like, in that sense, I suppose, right? Yeah, but did you know there was, like, an actual exorcism like that there the movie was a, is based on? There was of? a case that the movie's based on? Yeah. I actually did not know that. Yeah. Actually, the movie is based off of a book, which is based off an actual exorcist that happened in 1949. 1949? Was it, like, a little girl that was possessed? Well, they actually... possessed. Yes. But they actually... um, The director of The Exorcist says that the author of the book set out to write a nonfiction account of the exorcism, but he ended up having to, like, dramatize a lot of it because um, there just, like, wasn't specific details about what actually happened. Right. The author was it was requested to the author that the subject, the little boy, was changed to a little girl. Okay. Because um, it just to kind of help to protect the identity of the boy who actually went through the possession. They had to dramatize it, probably because no one wants to watch like an hour and a half movie of someone with like mental health issues being tortured by catholic priests <laughs> um the boy ended up he had no memory of the incident and he lived to he went on to live like a somewhat stable life and he actually ended up um retiring from a long career at nasa oh wow you say somewhat stable was there i have no information on that okay <laughs> the director never actually met the man because um, he didn't remember any of it, so like, why bother? Why bother, right? Um, but he did speak to family members who were able to describe the telekinetic activity surrounding the child during his apparent possession. <laughs> Sorry. Why is that funny? I'm just. It's just like. I don't know. <laughs> I just. I. You know me. 
explain yourself. I don't think there are things floating around this room, so. I don't think telekinetic could mean just only things levitating and things. Well, and stuff. I mean, like things moving would right. be telekinetic. He's moving things with his mind. Yeah. I said floating because I don't know. I was just imagining things floating, but you know, things whipping, zipping around, and. Yeah. But, so, basically what happens in the movie happened in real life. Um, the family was a Lutheran family. Oh, uh-oh. And they went through all the stages that you see in the film. They went to the doctors, they went to a clinic, and finally went back to their own pastor at their own Lutheran church. Um, and they recommended to see, like, a Catholic priest. So the Lutheran pastor recommended see the Catholic priest. Right. Well, now I'm convinced. There must be some serious shit going down. So, like, nobody in the medical field actually believed there was a possession, but they believed that, like... Because, you know, they're medical professionals. Well, that, but they had the thought process, like, the power of um, suggestion. Sorry. The power of suggestion might help the boy if he thought he was actually possessed. Mm -hmm. Um, And a priest named Father William Bowdern... Bodern, B-O-W-D-E-R-N. Bodern. B-O-W-D-E-R-N. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say Bowdern. Okay, William Bowdern performed the ceremony along with a younger priest named William Holleran. Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> the exorcism was even mentioned on Holleran's 2005 obituary in the Washington Post. Oh, really? The yeah. movie The Exorcist? Exorcist or this particular exorcism? This, the exorcism yeah, okay. that the movie is based off of. And his name was Holleran? <laughs> William Holleran. <laughs> uh, don't laugh at him. He's dead. I can laugh at people. Just because people are dead doesn't mean I can't laugh at them. Okay. I'm not laughing because he's dead. I'm just picturing like the I'm picturing like a description of the old priest hovered over this demon possessed child and it's like and then the young priest, he was in the corner and he was just hollering. Because <laughs> he is in fact hollering. <laughs> I'd pray for you. But I don't think it would do any good. Yeah. You're probably right. <laughs> I have his obituary. Let's hear it. Let's hear the obituary. All right. Um, the Reverend Walter H. Halloran, 83, a priest who took part in the exorcism that spawned the book and the movie The Exorcist, died March 1st at a Jesuit retirement home in suburban Milwaukee. No cause of death was reported. Father Halloran was the last living Jesuit Am I saying that correctly? Jesuit. Jesuit. Oh, wow. It's okay. Jesuit, who assisted in the exorcism in 1949 at a psychiatric unit in St. Louis. Father Holleran was a 27-year-old Jesuit. Jesuit. Jesuit Celastic at St. Louis University when a priest called him to the psychiatric wing at Alexan Brothers Hospital. The Rev. William S. Bodern was trying to help a 14-year-old boy from Mount Rainer who he believed was possessed by a demon, and he needed a strong man to help control the boy. A third Jesuit, the Reverend William Van Roo, was also there. The little boy would go into a seizure and get quite violent. Father Holleran told the St. Louis Post-Dispatch in 1988, so Father Bodern asked me to hold him. Yes, he did break my nose. Father Holleran said he saw streaks and arrows and such words as hell on the boy's skin. Father Holleran told a reporter that the boy went on to lead a rather ordinary life. A news account of the incident inspired William Peter Blatty's to write his 1971 bestseller, The Exorcist, which led to the 
1973 movie. Blatty's story featured a 12-year-old girl played by Linda Blair. Father Holloran received two bronze stars for serving as a paratrooper chaplain during the Vietnam War, the oldest airborne chaplain at the time at the age of 48. He later taught at St. Louis University and was named its director of the National Alumni Relations in 1972, and he was born in Jackson, Minnesota and is in 1921 and was the oldest of nine children. That's actually a lot of mention of the exorcism. It's pretty much mostly just yeah, the exorcism. mostly that. It's like, hey, this guy, no one knew. He did this cool thing. Did you do anything else? Actually, it looks like life? he did a lot. Yeah. Considering he was um, a paratrooper chaplain. Yeah, shit, man. I didn't even, I never even heard that specific combination of things, you know. He was a paratrooper and a chaplain. He was a priest who jumped out of airplanes. So, I mean, like. He's like, Jesus! <laughs> he was bringing it he was word of god coming in hot <laughs> oh we're going to hell for this episode for 100 percent, for sure for sure so that's a fun word jesuit jesuit which i've heard before that if someone like says a word wrong it just means they learned it from reading so like anybody gives you shit for mispronouncing that word fuck you guys read a book Anyway, so when The Exorcist was in the early stages of production, the director actually met with Reverend Robert J. Henley, who is the president of Georgetown, who secretly passed him an old red folder with Halloran's diary entries and like other eyewitness accounts of the True Life Exorcism. Wow. So they apparently just had like a red folder on this guy. Whoa, where'd the folder come from? Um, it came from um, Robert J. Henley, who was also a reverend. 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 Reverend Robert J. Henley. Also, in some circles, he was called Reverend Redfolder. He's just <laughs> known for showing up random places and giving people just folders full people of shit. people a red folder. This is just blank notebook paper. This calling card, but it was in a red folder. This is just cutouts of Sports Illustrated. Exactly. It's just what you need. It's not even pictures. It's just words. <laughs> now, you might assume that the Roman Catholic Church would be opposed to having this film made, seeing as it is one more of the arcane rituals that turned to like the subject of a horror movie. Yeah. Um, but many church officials actually supported the exorcist at the time, seeing as the priest was considered the hero in the movie. The director had Father Henley give him the documents surrounding the case um, and also gave him the role as Father Dyer. The friend and confidant of faith challenged Damien Karras was actually played by a real priest. A real priest? Mm -hmm. Wow, like a real authentic priest? Like a whole ass priest. Like a whole ass priest? <laughs> the director said that the church officials later told him that they credited the film for inspiring new applicants to be priests and nuns and that the message of the film is that there are some matters of the soul that science and medicine can't fix. Good message. <laughs> On brand. Of course, not every cleric was a fan. The Cardinal in Boston loved the film and wanted it banned. Billy Graham, who was not Catholic, uh, denounced it from the pulpit and said, the devil is in every frame of this film. Well, you know what? Fuck Billy Graham. <laughs> the author of the article like had like a snarky remark to say to that, and he said, how he examined every frame, I don't know. Well, um, Billy Graham is like a fucking seed faith televangelist piece of shit, so we don't give a shit what his... 
Oh, I didn't even know is. who Billy Graham is. I'm pretty sure he's dead now. Maybe I, I don't know. Uh, his family has a lot more money than me, so maybe I shouldn't talk shit about Billy Graham. <laughs> There's a lot of things that the director of The Exorcist used to make this movie stand out from other movies being made at the same time. They used a lot of subliminal subliminal messaging. For instance, they used the sound of bees in some of the early sequences, which triggers a fear response. Can you relate? I can absolutely relate to that, yes. <laughs> You probably wouldn't even realize why you're uncomfortable at the time, because without bees, you wouldn't actually notice that the bees sound. But the initial reaction to hearing that is kind of like an uncomfortable feeling. So like your fight and flight, your fight or flight response like starts being engaged. Later, during like the demon scenes, they had the sound of bees as well as like disturbing industrial sounds. Ooh. Um, and they also used the white face subliminal trick, um, where just for like flashes of just like a fraction of a second during um, some scenes, there would just be like the white face. Wow. Which you couldn't really detect it if you were in the audience, but you would see it and just kind of get like the creeps it's from like it. like a single frame kind of white yeah, face. Yeah, it's for like less than a fraction yeah, of a that's... second. You can't catch it on a VHS when you're like fast forwarding and rewinding it. You wouldn't be able to catch it on a VHS, but you can stop DVDs now frame by frame. Yeah. So. You would need, like, a tracking knob on a VHS, right? Yeah, which, like, most people didn't have, so exactly. it was yeah. hard to catch on a VHS back then. Wow. Along with, like, just, like, the creepy subliminal messaging, a lot of weird things happened on the set of The Exorcist. For instance, the first set of the film caught on fire and everything on the set except for Reagan's room. That set back the shoot six weeks. Whoa. Did I say that correctly? I mean, yeah. Set back the shoot. Sure. I, I don't work in film. I mean, yeah. that. I work in milk slinging. It delayed the shoot. Oh, it delayed it's the just, shoot. I'm just saying, six weeks is a long fucking time, especially. Well, they were using like a real building. That wasn't just like a set, from what I gathered. Also, Ellen Burstens was injured. Um, Which one was she? What did she do? Who was she in I'm the movie? I'm pretty sure that's the mom. Oh, mom, no. She um, was injured? Yeah, she was wearing a harness or something. I guess like whenever she was being like thrown back or something. Oh. Her harness malfunctioned and she actually ended up, she got pulled back too quickly and ended up landing on her coccyx. Yeah, it's like your tailbone. Yeah, and um, it caused a permanent spinal injury. Permanent spinal injury. Blunt force trauma to the coccyx. Right. So like the, the screech that you hear in the film is like real. Oh, well. It's caused by real pain. <laughs> Wow. Well, you know what? That's one way to get a response out of your actor. Yeah. I don't actually remember because it's been a very long time since I've seen that movie. We should watch it later. I wanted to watch it yesterday, but I had to go to bed. I meant to watch it at some point this morning <laughs> so I could just fully be prepared with all the reasons that I hated The Exorcist. <laughs> I still can't believe you hate The Exorcist. But you know what? It's been a long time since I watched it, so maybe I just have to give it another chance. I just I feel like it's a little overrated. It might be, but, but um, I think it stands the, up. The things you're describing, though, you're describing to me devices that I really enjoy that filmmakers use when they intentionally try to make their audience uncomfortable. Yeah. To, like, elicit a response that they feel you should have to their film. I'm a big fan of that, so maybe I should give The Exorcist another chance. Let's go back and, like, watch it. Yeah. Okay, so... Okay, moving on. Moving on. There are nine deaths 
in total related to the exorcist there are nine deaths related to the exorcist like nine, nine people who worked on the sh on the exorcist died two people that were scripted to die in the film also died in real life during the post-production stage of the film okay apart from that seven other people associated with the cast and the members of the crew died due to natural or unexplained causes for the release of the film wow which is a lot I mean, that is a fair amount of people. That's nine people. That's, nine, that's almost ten people. <laughs> Jason Miller, who plays Father Karras in the film, he was approached by a priest on the street, and the priest gave him a medallion and said this to him, Reveal the devil for the trickster that he is. He will seek retribution against you, or he will even try to stop what you are trying to do to unmask him. Ooh, so just some rando priest on the street? Mm-hmm. Man. Uh, Linda Blair actually had, like, a mental breakdown while on set. Well, she was also a child at the time, right? Yeah, but Linda's character in the film was, like, obviously intense, and she had to be in that mind frame to portray her character, and at one point all of that got to her so much that, like, it was rumored that she was, like, having nervous breakdowns while filming. Maybe she was possessed by... A real demon. The demon that is is actually based off of is pretty cool, too. Is it Zozo? It is Zozo. No. -uh. It is. Shut the fuck we'll up. We'll talk about it later. It's actually... That's... Mm -hmm. uh, damn, son. I was just making a stupid joke because of the Ouija episode. And it all circles back. It all comes back to Zozo. <laughs> they call him Pazuzu, but it's the same demon. Really? Mm-hmm. Anyway, so... That's a stupid name. <laughs> um... When uh, the film first screened at Rome, or in Rome, the theater that it was located was between two churches. And the day of, of course it because was. Because of course it was. During the day of the screening, there was a torrential downpour of like rain and lightning, which kind of created like a haunted effect for them. But one of the 400-year-old crosses was also struck by lightning and fell right in the middle of the plaza. Damn. I wonder what time of the year this was. I should have looked it up. I I'm going to guess like later in the year. Because that one is usually like. I feel like when I was there, I felt like when it got colder, it would get rainy and just shitty kind of. Isn't that how it always is though? Anyway, while um, Blatty, the author of the book, The Exorcist, um, he said that the presence of darkness was so strong that while writing the book, he experienced strange and supernatural activities such as like things randomly... Um, Levitating in the air. Um, <laughs> it's got to mean something, right? Sure. It's probably Pazuzu. <laughs> Don't think Pazuzu was haunting it. Can we just talk for just one second? Can we go back to how stupid of a name Pazuzu is for a demon? Like, for real, listen, you have like Azriel, Azazel, Beelzebub, Pazuzu. We <laughs> <laughs> have to talk to his mom because. Pazuzu's mom was not giving him any... No favors. Not doing him any favors. <laughs> Does it make you nervous when I shit talk evil forces? No, not really. I'm just curious. Because if something happens, like, I'll be fine. What's that mean? I'm not the one inviting evil in. Hey, evil, come on in. <laughs> unless, unless you're a vampire, don't come in. Yeah, sure. Welcome we, anybody we, in. Boundaries, okay? Boundaries. 
Anyway. Anyway, sorry. On. It's just a stupid name. Derailed. Just a stupid name. Um, so other things that kind of make you go, what the fuck, surrounding the William, um, the William, the filming of The Exorcist. I promise I know how to speak English. I want to know more about the William of The Exorcist. <laughs> <laughs> Linda Blair actually received threats from critics who believed her role glorified Satan. Like these are actual movie critics or these are just people that are critical of her? People who are critical of the movie The Exorcist okay. and said that Linda Blair's character glorified Satan. You know what? He's pretty cool. But to be fair, Linda Blair at the time was only 13 years old. Yeah, and to be fair, Satan, pretty fucking cool. <laughs> um, so she was 13 when The Exorcist hit theaters in the United States, and that didn't stop critics who believed her performance glorified Satan from threatening her. The threats were so plentiful that Warner Brothers actually had to hire bodyguards to protect the Blair family. Wow. And those threats continued for years after. Really? Yes. I'm not surprised. Well, like that, but they kept coming out with sequels to The Exorcist. Was she in any of the sequels? I think she was in the second one, but I'm not sure. But at one point, Linda's parents even had to hide Linda. Tony, go hide Linda. <laughs> Them critics is outside again. Like, they were going to, like, kill her. Jesus Christ. Yeah, like, they did, They hated her. Well, if there's one thing I know, the Christian thing to do is to murder someone for glorifying Satan. So, <laughs> the director, um, William Friedkin, maybe if I'm saying his name correctly. Uh, say it again. Friedkin. Oh, I don't, I'm, It's I, spelled like fried kin. Like fried kin or like fried can? Kin, K-I-N. I don't know. That's a good question. Fridkin. Anyway, William. Fridkin. William would uh, fire shots behind the actors to startle them. Like with a gun? Yeah. Damn, William. <laughs> they said that um, director William, I'm not going to say his last name again, had no qualms about going the extra mile to get the reaction he wanted from the exorcist. And he would fire shots in the background without warning to startle his actors. And someone called him a lunatic. I mean, he does sound a little looney tune. They said he was not very respectful to the actors. Actors and actresses. That's fucked up. Also, William insisted on seeing the actor's breath, so Reagan's room was refrigerated. I mean, like... Not, not like, air-conditioned, refrigerated. I mean, that, it's a, that's a little extreme, but I feel like in the era of practical effects... But just imagine, he had four giant air conditioners running all night, reaching temperatures of negative 30 and negative 40 degrees. Negative 40 in the room? I don't quite believe that that is really, that's what the article said because that's real cold but um the air on set got so cold that when the cast and crew like would sweat it froze to their skin and at one point it even snowed on the set well how about this can we just give kudos to these hard-working crew members who are managing to fucking sweat in a freezing ass room what was it because like there's a lot of moisture in the air from, like, the cast and the crew being crammed into, like, small spaces. Yeah. But if you can, like, imagine, Linda Blair was wearing nothing but a nightgown. Yeah, that's crazy. The priest at least got to wear pants. But you know what? Good news. She was 13, so technically she's only supposed to work, like, four hours a day. Yeah, and just freezing weather. Yeah. Casual. Oh, casual. Um, so the director actually hit one of his actors. I mean, what did, well, I need more information. Maybe they deserved it. 
I, I don't think so. It said that William often resorted to unusual methods to inspire a genuine reaction from his cast during the last rite scene. The director was unsatisfied with how his actor was acting <laughs> and asked him, like, took him to the side and said, do you trust me? And as soon as... I was like, no. Based the actor on said, everything. yes. <laughs> Based on everything that's happened, William. William no. slapped him across the face and yelled, action! And that take was used in the film. Okay. You can kind of see, um, I think it's O'Malley's hands visibly shake during the scene. Because he just got the shit slapped out of yeah. him? Yeah. He's probably pissed. Probably was pissed. <laughs> but you know what? If they used the scene, it worked, right? Here's the thing, though. This guy is notoriously, like, batshit. He's doing all this crazy shit. If someone like that asks you, do you trust me? Just say no. Just, I do not. I'm not trying to blame the victim here. Not, I'm just saying. Not at all. All I'm saying is, it's okay to say no, O'Malley. Um, going back to the people that died mm -hmm. during The Exorcist, two people, it looks like, died from like the flu. Linda's Blair, Linda Blair's grandfather passed during production. The son of Mercedes Cambridge, the person who voiced the demon, ended his wife and two daughters before taking his own life after being accused of fraud in November of 1987. Fuck. Just murder-suicide. Yeah. Damn. So a total of nine people associated with the movie perished during or immediately after filming. Shit, son. Sorry, that one took me a little bit long to get through. There's a lot of... That's okay. And there's a lot of moving parts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the infamous vomit scene is um, superimposed images of two actors. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, so, the special effects team for The Exorcist first tried Campbell's soup to recreate the infamous vomit scene, mm. but um, just because, you know, food doesn't really translate well into film. Yeah. They were unsatisfied with the consistency and switched to a combination of Anderson's pea soup and oatmeal. Actually, a so lot of... So get the fuck out of here, Campbell's. A lot of people don't know this, but that's actually... This movie's actually where Campbell's got the idea for Chunky Soup. Did they really? No. Oh, thank God. I was like, <laughs> I mean, no. I don't think so. Read the room, Campbell. Campbell's was like, how did he know? <laughs> um, it was actually a concoction. The concoction of oatmeal and pea soup was pumped through a special device created by makeup artist Dick Smith. The apparatus was too uncomfortable for Linda Blair to actually wear, and she also hated vegetables, apparently. Um, so the scene was originally filmed with actress Eileen Dietz, and William had to reshoot with Blair mimicking the vomit motion in the two scenes were superimposed together. Oh, cool. I thought that was cool. That is really the cool. The part's not really creepy. I just thought it was cool. The things people could do with special effects before, like, digital mm -hmm. is crazy, man. Because they're, like, applying effects to film. Yeah. You know? It's... Like, it's crazy. That part was really cool. It's wild. Um, Mercedes Cambridge gave up sobriety... To voice the demon. Really? So, Mercedes Cambridge, um, she provided the the voice uh -huh. for the demon. And she actually went to, like, I don't know, I would say too far to achieve the effect. She started chain smoking. She swallowed raw eggs. And she drank after, like, years of being sober. You see? The devil's in every frame. Um, she was formerly like a heavy drinker, and she threw herself off her proverbial wagon to give her all to the film. So was she like in recovery, or she just had stopped drinking? I think she was like a former alcoholic. Oh, damn. And okay. gave up her sobriety for the film. 
And she like actually requested to have her own priest present to counsel, like on set to counsel her. Just like, I don't know, give her strength or something. I'm not sure. Cool. It's actually kind of like super fucked up because William did not want to give her screen credit for the voice. Really? Right. Because he thought it would be more believable if they just thought Reagan was doing it. Or Linda. I mean, like, people know it's a movie, William. Yeah, but it was just more convincing. So no one's going to read the credits anyway, right? Like, not that far down. How many names do you read on the credit list typically? Like, like the, the first, first five? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> However, I think um, Mercedes kind of uh, demanded that her she get credit for it, and she was eventually given one. Well, good. Um, the Exorcist was actually banned in the UK for a little while. You know what? I feel like things are just banned in the UK typically. Um, in 1974, The Exorcist was released in the UK with an X rating. Ooh. Um, so, like, a few local authorities banned the film, which led to, like, buses providing transit for The Exorcist. Okay. Because, like, people in towns that couldn't watch it would go to oh, other towns to watch it. And the buses were like, hey, we got you. Hey, give you want... us a nickel, we'll take you there. Give us a nickel and we'll take you to see The, <gasps> the Exorcist. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but in 1988, it was banned from video sale under the Video Recordings Act, even though it had already been available for seven years. They took it off the shelf. Jesus. And The Exorcist wasn't legally released in the UK again until 1998, when it received an 18 rating for video and DVD release. 1998? Yeah. Holy shit. Damn. Damn. That's crazy, man. And although the demon... Like I said before, was not named in the film. The demon is actually Pazuzu. So Pazuzu. Pazuzu. <laughs> and just a little bit of like Pazuzu's like actual background because we didn't even like I don't even think we really got into it during the Ouija board episode. I don't think so. Are we getting Pazuzu backstory We're right now? We're getting a little Pazuzu backstory. <laughs> just like micro. I was born a demon in the sixth layer of hell. <laughs> micro... Times were hard when your name's Pazuzu. <laughs> Micro Pazuzu, like, little okay, let's blurb. The statue that Father Marin faces in the beginning scene is an effigy to Pazuzu, which is an ancient Assyrian and Babylonian demon. Okay. This is the demon that comes to possess Reagan. He is um, king of the wind demons, son of the god Hanbi, H-A-N-B-I. H-A-N-B-I? Mm-hmm. Sounds like Hanbi to me. All right. And has been around since the 8th century BCE. Wow. Pazuzu is um, terrifying in appearance, according to the Metropolitan Museum Art. Art. He stands on two legs and has human arms ending in claws and two pairs of wings, a scorpion tail, snake head, and erect Peen. member. Peen. <laughs> He's um. rocking a hard peen. <laughs> He has a horn and a bearded head with bulging eyes and snarling canine mouth. Wow. He has one horn? One horn. Just <laughs> Is like, he the I guess one, he's like a unicorn. Does he have one eye? Is he the one-eyed, one-armed, flying purple people? No, he has two eyes. Oh, uh, well, never mind. <laughs> um, and snarling canine mouth, so. Snakehead, canine mouth. Yeah. He's a mess. He's a mess. Just a mess. It's just all over. Those Babylonian deities were just all over the place, weren't they? And I'm just like trying to like, I'm just picturing what he looks like. I'm like, I just kind of draw that. Yeah. 
So, although Pazuzu was cut, he's kind of like pictured as a frightening figure. He wasn't an evil possessor as shown in the film. Rather, he was a fierce protector guarding against attacks from Lamesh too. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I can't see the word that you're doing. So like, I'm it's just Lamesh too. Let's just say that's true. Let's say that's right. And, um, I can sorry, guarantee girl. that no Assyrians or Babylonians are listening to this podcast, so we can just say it however we want. Uh, basically, he guards against attacks from this female ancient demon that preyed upon pregnant women and tried to take infants to feed on. Oh, damn. So what we have here is a classic case of Christianity demonizing another culture's deities. Pretty much. It does kind of sound like that, doesn't it? But Pazuzu is also the one that's like credited to Ouija boards and... Maybe he's just pissed. Maybe he was a deity and now he's pissed off because like all his followers jumped on the Jesus train. He got nothing else to do. Yeah. He's like, I'm just going to go fuck with these boards. He's like, as a deity, when people stop believing, my power wanes. So I have to get, keep them believing somehow. So now I jump on the Ouija train so people... Now it's like a internet meme sensation or whatever, right? Yeah. So Zozo, Zozo, Zozo. Everybody talks about him. He gets his power back. Huh? Maybe. Uh, nice. Pazuzu. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we've talked a lot about the film. I didn't mean for it to go on for so long. And yet. Here we are. It was nice, though. It's like a good 40 minute. I'm sorry. That's okay. I like The Exorcist. I think the movie's fucking awesome. Well, we'll see. I got to meet Linda Blair, as I've spoken about before. Yeah, I think there's a, um autographed picture somewhere. In oh, this. yeah. I just have, like, Linda Blair's autograph. Casual. She was in other stuff, too, right? I have no idea. Yeah. Fun fact, Linda Blair actually owns a, um, a rescue now. Really? Yeah. And fun fact, she's actually the related to former UK Prime Minister Tony Blair. Really? I have no, I I have no idea. <laughs> you could have just said that. <laughs> I have no idea. You just said that with such confidence. I'm a deceiver, much like Satan, who we've established is pretty rad. <laughs> wink, wink. Wink, wink. Looking at you, big red. <laughs> big red. <laughs> so probably the more interesting part of my notes. I have some details on the exorcism mm -hmm. that influenced the exorcist okay all right are you ready i'm ready okay it's, I'm, it's not I'm that ready. long all right cool all right so well the rest was so that's okay <laughs> um in mid-1949 several newspaper articles printed about an anonymous report of an alleged possession and exorcism okay the sources for these reports is thought to be from the family's former pastor luther schultz Luther. Um, according to one account, a total of 48 people had witnessed the exorcism. Why so many? Well, it actually happened in like a hospital. Okay. Rather than like in a home. So like total 48, not 48 at once. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, nine that changes things. <laughs> Out of the 48, nine of them were Jesuits. According to one author of an article named Thomas B. Allen, Jesuit priest father walter h holleran was one of the last surviving eyewitnesses of the event and participated in the exorcism and i actually okay i looked up the word Je jesuit last night because i wanted to know what it meant 
Mm-hmm. And it's somebody who is authorized to like give exorcisms by the Catholic Church. I didn't know that. That's crazy. <laughs> so I didn't. I didn't know like if it was specific. So is it specifically Jesuits that do ex- exorcisms? Well, don't ask me that. I don't know. I just looked up what a Jesuit was because I had never heard of it before. Yeah. So. I don't know that much about them. I've heard the word. I know they were founded in like the 1500s. Yeah. That's so. about the extent of my knowledge. I didn't know what Jesuit was, so I looked it up last night. And I didn't put it in my notes, but I'm pretty sure it's just like they're authorized to do more things within the church from the Catholic Church. They're like hardcore priests. Right. Oops. I need I you got, to calm down. I got down. a little excited. Yeah. You're like, ooh, hardcore priest. Yes. Okay. Anyway. So it's like so. if you could take a priest and make them more priestly. Right. They would probably be a Jesuit. Mm-hmm. Okay. So going to backtrack a little bit, make sure we're all caught up. According to one author of an article, Thomas B. Allen, Jesuit priest, Father Walter H. Holleran, whose um, obituary we read earlier. Uh-huh. Holleran was one of the last surviving eyewitnesses to the events and participated in the exorcism. Allen wrote that a diary kept by attending priest, Father Raymond J. Bishop, attended three of the exorcisms performed on Roland Doe, or Robbie. Speaking in 2013, Allen emphasized that definite proof that the boy, known only as Robbie or Roland Doe, (laughs) um, was possessed by malevolent spirits is unattainable. Okay. Take that for what you will alluding that maybe he suffered from mental illness or sexual abuse and fabricated the whole thing. But according to Alan, the author of the article, uh-huh. Holleran also expressed his skepticism about the potential paranormal event before his death. Oh, okay. So, while Holleran participated and went through these exorcisms, he was skeptical towards the end about so, whether or not it was real. So this whole thing just a little sus. Yeah. Yeah. According to those involved. According to those involved directly. Yeah. It maybe didn't actually happen. Maybe. <laughs> Weird. But take that for what you will. I know how you're going to take it. I'm going to take it as fiction. False. <laughs> I mean, like, it's a demon exorcism. Yeah. Where Are we, like, questioning whether or not it was real? <laughs> I mean, like, Really? When and asked in an interview to make a statement on whether the boy had been possessed or not, Holleran responded saying, No, I can't go on record. I never made an absolute statement about the things because I didn't feel qualified. So he didn't feel qualified to make a confirming statement, and he confessed skepticism towards the end of his life. And then the reporter said, Why are you talking so loud? And he said, It's in my name. But then his obituary was only about, like, the exorcism. So, I don't know. He's like, hey, I can't really say that this was real. And then he dies, and they're like, oh, my God. Make the entire obituary (laughs) just about the exorcism. They're like, man, this dude kind of sucks. Like, his family's not that interesting. Let's just make the whole obituary about this exorcism. I don't give a shit about who he survived by. You remember that thing he did in the 40s? That thing he did in the 40s? That was fucking sweet. People are going to buy this newspaper just for his obit. Obit. They're going to hang it on their fridge. Mm-hmm. Okay. Back to Roland. Roland. Or Robbie. Roland I like, Doe. I liked Roland. Do you think his middle name is Nathan? Because if his name is Roland N. Doe, 
then I can die happy. Stop. Rolling in dough. Stop. Rolling. Maybe I'll just call him Bobby from now. Robbie from now on. Robbie. Robbie Dido. <laughs> it's not better. I know. Anyway, I'm going to go back to Roland because I like the name Roland. Me too. Anyway, Roland was born into a German Lutheran family. During the 1940s, the family lived in the cottage city, Maryland. But then they, for some reason, moved to South Africa. According to Alan, Roland was an only child and depended upon adults in his household for playmates, primarily his aunt Harriet. His aunt, who was a spiritualist, introduced Roland to the Ouija board when he expressed interest in it. Mm. So, same this way, like in the movie, Reagan plays with an Ouija board. Oh, that's right. It is, huh? Yeah. Gets possessed. Damn, dude. Was Roland the first Zozo case with the Ouija board? Doubt it. Doubt it. Doubt it. Anyway, so Roland plays with an Ouija board that his aunt gave him when he expressed interest in it. Mm-hmm. So, sounds like me and my niece. Flash forward five years. <laughs> Sorry, Mel. Sorry, Melody, but... Me and my six-year-old niece are going to be playing with a new Ouija board. She's getting possessed. <laughs> anyway, so according to Thomas B. Allen, um, after Aunt Harriet's death, the family started to experience strange noises, furniture moving on its own, and ordinary objects such as vases flying or levitating when the boy was nearby. Oh. So the family turned to their pastor, Luther Scholes. Luther, their Lutheran pastor. Yeah, I thought the same thing. Beautiful. Um, so they turned to their pastor for help. Luther Scholes was into parapsychology. Because of course please, he was. Please contain yourself. He arranged for the boy to spend the night in his home in order to like observe him. Mm. Um, okay, Luther. <laughs> When a parapsychologist, J.B. Ryan, learned that Schultz claimed that he witnessed household objects and, oh, I put household objects and friends move by themselves. <laughs> you know what? I have friends that move by themselves, too. Do you think I'm possessed? <laughs> I was referring to, like, household objects and furniture. I, I, I figured it was something <laughs> like that. That's funny. Um, Ryan wondered if Schultz exaggerated some of the facts kind of like play it up a little yeah, bit i guess i mean as you do i guess as one does um but Schulz advised the boy's parents to see a catholic priest because this was too much for the lutheran church they're like you know what we don't really do that we don't do that here it's like i mean in my experience and i'm not i'm absolutely not saying this to offend anybody kind of sounds like you are but lutheran is sort of like diet catholic a lot of the, to, I'm, I'm pretty sure a lot of the ceremony is the same. It's just that there's not like the focus on saints and Mary, like in Catholicism. I have no idea. I'm just like painting a little, a little religious picture. A little here. religious picture. Okay. Um, according to the traditional story, the boy then went through a number of exorcisms. Edward Hughes, a Roman Catholic priest, conducted an exorcism on Roland at Georgetown University Hospital, a Jesuit institution. Tell me the name of the institution one more time. Georgetown University Hospital. Okay. I looked right at you. The words came to me and just 
gone. Did, did not register. They just went right in it, right in and out. <laughs> During the exorcism, the boy allegedly slipped one of his hands out of the restraints, broke a bedspring from under the mattress, and used it as an impromptu weapon. Damn, he shanked somebody with the mattress spring? He slashed the priest's arm, resulting in the exorcism ritual being halted. For six weeks. <laughs> that would be convenient. Right. Um, the family traveled to St. Louis, where Roland's cousin contacted one of his professors at St. Louis University. Um, Bishop, who in turn spoke to William S. Beldern, an associate of College Church. Together, both priests visited Roland in his relative's home where they allegedly observed the um, like a bed shaking and flying objects and the boy speaking in a like guttural voice, mm-hmm. um, exhibiting an aversion to anything sacred. Oh, um, same. <laughs> that, that's how Bowden was granted permission from the archbishop to perform another exorcism. Oh, wow. That's interesting. So the final exorcism took place at the Alexian Brothers Hospital in South St. Louis, Missouri, who was... Murder capital of the United States. <laughs> Is it? I'm pretty sure. Oh. Which was later raised, which means destroyed. I just like using... Oh, yeah, that's... Uh, I like using... That sounds better. Sophisticated... Raised uh, to the ground. Sophisticated five-letter words. I just So this is what I imagine. I imagine the priests walk in the room, and the boy's like this. Hey, guys, can I get some water? <laughs> <laughs> Your mother sucks cock and so, hell. I'm just a little parched. <laughs> um, so guttural. So, before the next exorcism ritual began, another priest named Walter Holleran, Holleran was called to the psychiatric wing of the hospital where he was asked to assist Bodern. William Van Roo, a third Jesuit priest, was also there to assist Holleran, stated oh. that during... <laughs> this scene that the words such as evil and hell and other various marks appeared on the teenager's body. Allegedly, during the litany of the saints portion of the exorcism ritual, the boy's mattress began to shake. Wow. Moreover, Roland broke Holleran's nose during the process, and Holleran told a reporter that after the rite was over, the anonymous subject of the exorcism went on to live, to lead a or- rather ordinary life. That's wild. I can only imagine, like, I don't know, man. You know, I don't think that there was an actual demon exercise. So, I like, know you don't. I feel like they just put this poor kid through, like, some shit. And really what he needed and probably... it's possible that they did. What he needed probably was just, like, psychiatric some help. Some mental help. Because if I know anything about exorcisms, they're, like, pretty brutal on the subject. I think so. We should like, actually do an episode on exorcisms. Because, like, they're chained down. Like, they're not eating. They're not drinking. Yeah. The whole deal with... I can't remember which one it is, but if we do an episode, I'll look it up. But there was a... I'm pretty sure they made a movie about it. There was an exorcism where the person died. Yeah, and like, I remember that. they were like, hey, what the fuck? And, try, and the church... What happened? As far as I know, the church is like, we were trying to, you know, get a demon out. And people are like, no, you weren't. It's like more like abuse. Yeah, so I can't, I'll I'll look it up. I can't remember the name of it. I don't think it's Emily Rose. Not Emily Rose. Um, but. Interesting. I'll look it up. We should definitely do an episode on exorcisms. For sure. Just like, overall. Yeah. I have some exorcism books somewhere. They're not here, I don't think. I think they're in Alabama. (laughs) <laughs> like right good place for him like 
exorcism rites and stuff like that. I was I was just thinking how like it must I be interesting to go over like the different passages for. There's apparently like a cookbook for it or something. Yeah. But just like what to do during an exorcism. Mm-hmm. I'll try to get my hands on those books before we do an exorcism uh, episode. Nice. Okay. Cool. I have weird like I have I know some weird ass books <laughs> just kind of floating around. There's like a necromancy book somewhere. Oh, I know where that one is. It's on the... I don't think it's here. Oh, I thought it was. Mm, Anyway. You're thinking of another weird book. Oh. (laughs) This one like encourages you to dig up bodies and shit. It's weird, dude. we're not going to do that. No, we're not going to. Obviously, we're not going to do that. So, I hope you guys liked that episode. I know I sure did. I'm sorry if I was a little uh, weird, more weird than usual. I know I talked a lot, Um, but I think it was all... Fairly interesting. I don't feel like we talked that long though. Like, no, it never it feels flew like right by. It never feels like it's been that long. It just flew on by. Just flew on by. I just like sitting here having nice conversations with you. <laughs> I know you're ready for bed. Am I? Because <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but I just crushed a fucking quad. Blonde. blonde. Ristretto. Ristretto. Breve. Caramel, Caramel macchiato. Anyway, um, thanks for listening. If you go to our website at www.ouroddpodpodcast.com. We have a banner. Yes, we do have a sidebar that has all of our links. Uh, Instagram, Spotify, Stitcher, Facebook. Amazon. Amazon. Is our Amazon a link on there? Yeah. Oh, sweet. Spotify. Spotify was the one I was excited about. Spotify is really exciting. If you're here from a Starbucks Facebook group, welcome. Yeah, if you're here from a Starbucks Facebook group, welcome. If you're here from Spotify, also welcome. If you want to listen to us on Spotify and you're like, but I don't want to visit the website and click on the link, you can just search Spotify, Our Odd Pod Podcast. And it's on there too. But you have to put it in quotations or we will not pop up. Which you're probably not listening to this episode right now. Right. I haven't figured that out yet. Because if you put it in quotations... It will search for the entire phrase instead of each individual word separately. So you'll find us. Anyway, also you should go check out um, DarrenCurtisMusic.com. That's another link that we have. He does our intro and outro music. He does our intro and outro music. He responded to our emails. He's just a really nice guy. Like, I don't know. From our one interaction. Fucking awesome, Darren. Yeah. Well, I replied and he replied again. Oh. Yeah, nice. we, we had like a whole little like baby friends. correspondence. He's really <laughs> nice. Go check out his music. If you can afford it, show him some love. Support him on uh, Patreon. I think he has a Patreon, yeah. Anyway, uh, that's all I got. That's all I have. So thanks for listening again. Um, we're the Boneses, and we uh, are out. Oh. But real quick, you didn't tell him to tip our baristas and uh, be nice to your emergency personnel. Yeah, do those things. <laughs> Bye. Now cue the music. Boop, 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 boop.